0: I'm a dumbass, I admit it. There, you fucking happy now? (laughs) Friday, I said gas is $27 a decatherm, which is fucking stupid and wrong. Gas is actually like $10 a decatherm. I meant the cubic feet thing is what I was reading, but I said decatherm like a moron. And I probably unnecessarily unnecessarily scared the fuck out of a lot of people. That's it. Sorry about that. Well, I doubt if it was me that scared you. You probably opened up your gas bill and that was enough, right? Shit. Yeah, but I apologize for making a mistake. I wanted to own that right out the gate right now. Let's have some fun this morning. We're going to talk about mistakes. Other people made when recording history, legends and conspiracy theories. Here we go. John F. Kennedy had no friends around him at the end of his life. He had fired Alan Dulles and George Cabell for the Bay of Pigs. Remember that. He fired the deputy director of the CIA, George Cabell. And he was in Dallas. That's important. They were supposed to protect him in Dallas, but nah. They set his ass up. Look at the very fuckers who were supposed to protect John F. Kennedy as he was being killed. You know, a Secret Service training says at the first sign of trouble, if you're behind the wheel of a car, you fucking floor it, and you get the president out of the line of fire. Not the dickhead driving the car that day. Look at the Zapruder film. Holy shit, he not only slows down, he looks back, and he waits, and he waits, and he what's he, he's waiting for the headshot. And as soon as it happens, boom! He turns around and hits the gas and gets him out of there. And what about the dick sitting next to him? That fucker's training says he should already be over the top of the president, delivering first aid, shielding him from other bullets. Fuck Jackie. His job is to protect John. But what is he doing? Why, he's sitting there waiting for the headshot, too. But if you look back at pictures of LBJ's car, shit, he got dogpiled by Secret Service agents. Sure. He he was the president even before he was president. (laughs) By the way, interesting note here, LBJ was being dropped the reelection ticket a lot of people don't know that but he was being dropped by the oh yeah and all that legal trouble he was in down there in texas you better believe it he was in all kinds of shit so he didn't have very many friends around there either except for the ones that hated kennedy did you know the president's motorcade route was changed just that morning It was always going straight down Main to the Stimmons Freeway, but the parade route was changed that morning. Why? Because George Cabell, the director, deputy director of the CIA, who Kennedy had fired for the Bay of Pigs, he had a brother, and his brother Earl Cabell just so happened to be mayor of Dallas, Texas. And what do you know, that morning... He had road barriers set up blocking the entrance to the Stimmons Freeway from Main Street, forcing the Secret Service to reroute through Dealey Plaza. woo We did Lee Harvey Oswald get lucky or what? According to the government, Lee Harvey Oswald had premeditated to shoot at the president who'd be traveling down Main Street at 45 miles per hour over 300 yards away. And he was going to make that shot with a shitty bolt action Carcano rifle with a broken scope. That's what Lee Harvey Oswald had planned on doing, but fortunately, they rerouted right through Dealey Plaza. What a coincidence! <laughs> Sound like a load of bullshit to you? You're damn right it does. But through it all, forget the shooting. You might as well forget the shooting because Lee Harvey Oswald, according to court documents, didn't shoot a weapon that day at all. Not according to the paraffin test they did on him. A paraffin test is one that detects nitrates and all kinds of blowback. You see, when you fire rifles and pistols, there's all kinds of blowback on your face, your neck, your chin, your ears, your hair, your arms, your shoulders. You get that shit all over you. Nothing on Lee Oswald except for a few nitrates in the palm of his hand. Remember that? The palm... He had killed a cop, apparently. He had fired a bunch of bullets into a president. But all they found was a few nitrates on the inside of a palm of his hand. Well, that's enough. Not really. As a matter of fact, Lee Harvey Oswald was never tried in a court of law, never convicted. Matter of fact, nobody's ever produced any fucking evidence. That Lee Harvey Oswald shot the president at all. We just take it at face value, don't we? Well, he was charged with killing Tippett. Well, it's funny you should say that because every single witness who saw the guy who killed J.D. Tippett said it wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald. Would you be interested to know that the guy who killed Tippett was actually the guy who was sent to silence Oswald? And he was on his way. Look where Tibbet was killed. Look where Lee's boarding house was. He was on his way. What he didn't know was Lee had already left. Lee was scared. Lee knew either something had gone wrong or he knew he might have been the fall guy. You gotta remember, it's just a scrawny twenty four year old kid. Yeah. He he followed orders. He did what his superiors told him. He did everything he was told to do. Left the Marine Corps, defected to Russia. Yeah, defected to Russia. Then came back. They paid for him to come. He was supposed to go to prison for that, but he didn't. They brought him back home. He was their boy. Really high IQ. Very intelligent person. Very refined. Very controlled young man. Very obedient They told him to go to Dallas, and they told him to make good with the Russian community there and to take a job at the School Book Depository, and he followed those fucking orders. At the time of the assassination, he was actually seen on the second floor of the School Book Depository, sitting by the phone in the break room. Yeah, probably told to stay there and wait for a phone call that never came. So what does he do then? He walks out the front door. He goes straight back to his room at his boarding house. The landlady said when he was in his room, a cop car kept driving by tooting the horn. Now, remember, the guy sent to silence Oswald. He's actually en route right now. He's over on 10th and Patton, I think it was, where J.D. Tippett was killed. Yeah, but Lee Oswald, he grabs a pistol and heads out towards the theater. Now, why would he go there? Because he was supposed to meet somebody there, folks. And somebody obviously knew he was going to be there because that's why 60 fucking cops showed up for somebody entering the theater without buying a ticket. Does that sound believable to you? Fuck no. They knew he was going to be there. They had their boy. Ed Lansdale and George H.W. Bush were both photographed in Dealey Plaza that day and they had no fucking business being there folks Lansdale was spotted by everybody who worked in the intelligence community including Colonel Fletcher Prouty they all knew it was Ed Lansdale they were all like what the fuck is he doing there well he was there with his buddy George H.W. Bush If you're just now joining us, welcome to the Conspiracy Show. I am Stan the Joke Man, your number one conspiracist. Now, this next one is going to upset a few people. And, well, if you're like me, it's probably going to disappoint you, too. But just hold on, hold on. We got to talk some truth here. Buckle your seatbelts. It's time to talk about Buford Pusser walking tall. Buford Pusser, folks, you need to forget what you've seen The Rock do on Walking Tall, okay? Forget about that. And the old version of Walking Tall, the one I grew up with, the one I saw as a little boy at the drive-in, the one that shocked and horrified me as a little five, six-year-old. I forget how old I was, but everything I thought I knew about Buford Pusser all those years are flat-out wrong, folks. Flat-out wrong. There's a uh, author... Uh, by the name of Mike Elam, and he's got a great book out there. It's called Buford Pusser, The Other Story. The title says it all. Buford Pusser, The Other Story. There's two sides to every story. and all these years, we've been getting one side. And what Mike Elam has done is he has brought over the other side from people who are actually there. This is dolled up Hollywood stuff. He's got a great series on YouTube right now. Check it out. Buford Pusser, the other story. And uh, you get to see a lot of these interviews. But if you don't feel like sitting through that, let let me uh, cut through some of the interesting facts about Buford Pusser you might not have known because of Hollywood. You know, walking tall, Buford Pusser gets the piss kicked out of him at the plantation club. Yeah, because he... I guess they're cheating at gambling or something like it. It never happened. It's a lie. And he never got 192 stitches in his head. Never. It didn't happen. The doctor, he says, gave him the stitches, said, No, I never even treated the guy before, let alone that night. And if it had happened, the way Buford said, why didn't his own dad, who just so happened to be chief of police up the road, do anything about it? this is a fact folks his own father was chief of police just right up the road why didn't he do anything because it didn't happen as a matter of fact it was Buford Pusser and two of his friends who almost got indicted for coming down from Chicago beating the hell out of W.O. Hathcock and robbing him of $1,100 there was actually physical evidence on the scene implicating Buford Pusser it was I don't know exactly. A lot of a lot of files and records are gone. But here's some more interesting facts about Buford. It took damn near half a year after being elected sheriff for Buford to raid any nightclubs on the state line. Matter of fact, federal agents had to force him to raid them. You know why? <laughs> Me neither. But I have some suspicions. <laughs> and finally, the most disturbing one, the one... The one that really bothers me, because if there was a victim in all of this, there were no heroes, according to uh, Mike Elam in his book, Buford Pusser, The Other Story. There were no heroes, but there were lots of victims. And let me tell you something, folks. Pauline Pusser, Buford's wife, and those kids were definitely victims, especially Pauline. She got machine gunned to death on that back hick road, which you might not know, though is that Buford and Pauline were actually separated at the time. That's right, folks. They were separated. Pauline was divorcing Buford Pusser. She had had enough. I mean, there's rumors of abuse and everything, affairs. You know, Buford did have that favorite motel up there in Adamsville. Pauline Pusser was leaving Buford. Why the hell would she jump in a car and go with him on a call in the wee hours of the morning? She's getting ready to divorce this guy. For all she knows, he's going to see one of his girlfriends. What does she care? Why did Buford complain about having to buy a wig for her funeral so they could have an open casket? Because, well, the gunfire had blown her head completely off pretty much, and they had to cover up you know, and he he did not like having to spend $125 for a wig. He was really upset about that. He didn't go to the funeral either, and they recorded it for him, but he didn't watch it, and you could write that off as a man who was absolutely traumatized. This is true, or maybe he didn't care. Doesn't prove he did anything wrong. Will we ever really know? Well, I feel sorry for Pauline Pusser. That's who I feel sorry for. Mike Elam's book, Buford Pusser, the other story. I highly recommend it. Last thing. Buford Pusser, he died in an automobile accident at the height of his popularity. He had signed in all these movie deals. He's hanging out with Burt Reynolds and they're having a blast. And he had that car wreck, not too far from his home. And he died. A lot of people suggested that someone might've loosened the lug nuts on his brand new Corvette. And, Might have been a revenge killing for Louise Hathcock or Toehead White or somebody. But investigating state troopers took a look at the scene, did a little blood work, said, Nope, lug nuts are fine. It was drunk driving that killed Buford Pusser. Talking about legends and folklore this morning on the Stand the Joke Man show, we've talked about JFK, Buford Pusser. Now let's move on to one of my personal favorites, the Amityville whore.
1: Ah, yeah.
0: I mean, horror. <laughs> That's right. The Amityville Horror. Ronnie DeFeo Jr., the one they called Butch, the one who went to prison for killing his own family in that house. Well, before he died, he revealed a lot of secrets you might not have known about that family. And we're going to go over some of those right now. Now, I'm not going to go over any of the bullshit he shared, only the facts, because... That fucking dope head story changed a zillion times, but there's a lot of things that he says that absolutely ring true, and we're going to talk about some of those things right now. The first thing you have to know about the DeFeo family is that Butch's mom, Louise DeFeo, shit, she was the niece of the capo of the Genovese crime family. Yeah, they forgot to mention that in the movie, didn't they? They also forgot to mention that her husband, Ronnie DeFeo Sr., did a lot of legwork for the Genovese crime family and the local police precincts. Why, you think he could afford that house on a plumber's salary? Fuck no. As a matter of fact, Ronnie DeFeo Sr., he got put in charge of $2 million. Hey, here's $2 million, Ronnie Sr. Take this and hide it in your basement till we need it. So he did. When the time came, he called his son. Hey, Butch! That would be Ronnie Jr. You want to do some mule work for your old man? How would you like to be a mule for your old man? And goofy little Butch said, Fuck you! I need a summer job, Dad! So Ronnie DeFeo Jr., Butch, he started muleing dope and payoff money and shit for the folks upstairs yeah one of his customers for heroin was a woman named kathy lutz (laughs) this is all true folks butch this would be ronnie jr mulled heroin to george and kathy lutz on a regular basis the book forgot to mention that Uh uh-oh well Aside from that, one day, Ronnie Sr. called out to his son and said, hey, go dig up that $2 million we got hiding in the basement. That's got to go to the appropriate people. You go dig up that duffel bag and take the money there. And so Ronnie did exactly as he was told. He went downstairs, he dug up the duffel bag, and he took that $2 million to the crime family. Unfortunately, when he got there, there was only one point four million in the bag. Uh oh Where'd that six hundred thousand dollars go? <sighs> You're in trouble, Ronnie Jr. Doesn't matter if you took it or not. You're on the hook for that shit, boy. Should have counted the shit before you left. Yes, it's interesting. That the murders, they were all lying on their stomach. As a matter of fact, the medical examiner said that Ronnie Sr. had been shot elsewhere and brought to the bed and placed face first in the bed. Do you think Ronnie Jr., who only weighed a buck fifty, could have picked up a 270 pound man, carried him upstairs to a bedroom, and placed him in the bed face down? Fuck no. You can talk shit and surmise all day, but you cannot explain away physics. He would have damaged the body getting it up there. Personally, I yeah, I think Ronnie DeFeo Jr. absolutely killed members of his family. I don't know that he killed them all, but but I do know this. A crime family hitman called the house that night. Yeah, when detectives were there a fucking hitman by the last name of Mizeo called the home and actually spoke with the detective. He thought he was speaking to Ronnie DeFeo Sr. He was not. He was talking to a cop, but he didn't realize it. They forgot to mention that in the movie too. Personally, I think Ronnie DeFeo Sr. set up his own son. They don't talk about the fact that DeFeo Sr. was quite the cruel man. He was a mean person, really mean. Matter of fact, the night of the shooting, Don DeFeo had actually chased her own father around the dining room table with a fucking knife. Yeah, that very night, he was shot and killed. It was either Don or Allison, forgive me on the names, but I know one of them was trying to get away. They were being held prisoner in that home because of the crime. There are so many questions around that story, but I can promise you this, it all comes back to the same place. Dope, money, greed, crime. You go to bed with a whore, you're going to wake up with a fucking whore every time, boys and girls. I like whores. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for the Stan the Joke Man show. I am Stan the Joke Man. Damn, this was fun. I loved it in The Joke Man Show is the property of Joke Man Productions, LLC. Broadcasting from the Boys Room Studios right here in Henrietta, America, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at high noon on Amazon and Spotify. show's almost a year old, and it's doing good. People are pinging in from all over the world, but I need some help growing the show, guys. Fit don't grow. This tent's going down, and I'm going to join the circus. And trust me, you do not want to see my sweet ass in trapeze pants. Oh, it's hot. You can count on it. <laughs> I will be back on Wednesday, high noon. Until then, keep it solid. Remember, the truth is far more interesting than bullshit. And as long as you got it on your side, you'll never fucking lose.
1: We are searchlights we can see in the dark.